So it seems like every time I notice a uh, symptom of being in quarantine, I see an article about it. Well, because they're monitoring you. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> you say I out just... loud, you say, oh no, my skin is dry. And then your phone hears you and gives you all these dry skin articles. I know, I didn't mean to sound like a paranoid, crazy person. Uh, it just seemed like, oh, I'm noticing this has happened. Oh, it's because I'm in quarantine. Like what? What's happening to you? Well, dry skin. Mm. Um, I have a dry skin problem anyway, and if I go even one day without taking a shower, I get really dried out for some reason. Um, and, you know, if I'm in quarantine, it's not like I'm desperately taking a shower every single day of my life, so... I was going to have dry skin issues anyway, but I was glad to see that I'm having a harder time of it because I'm in quarantine. Well, I looked it up because I try to be prepared. And so I did a little search on why my skin is drier in quarantine. And they say it's because when you stay inside with climate control, it dries out your skin. I thought it had something to do with staying inside more, but I didn't know the specifics of it. Also, I do research things that I think actually need to be researched. I just don't research everything on the planet that you might possibly ask me about, mister. You, this is in our document, so I, you should know I would ask you about it. You're right. What an idiot I've been. My driest skin is my eyebrows, which is really weird. No, I, I, I've had... I've had dry eyebrows before. Uh, another thing yeah. that I've been noticing is uh, my ear itching a lot on the inside of my ear, like <gasps> constantly. Um, and that can also be because of dry skin. Um, so it's like, maybe that's what's going on because my ear's driving me crazy. That happened to me early on during the quarantine. My ear was itching and I was scratching it and then it started bleeding. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So I had to put a little tissue ball in my ear to catch all the blood that was gushing forth. Oh my goodness. What were it you scratching your blood. ear with? A chainsaw? It wasn't that much blood. I did just a toothpick that I jammed in there. You're kidding, right? I'm kidding, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> it was just my little finger, and I didn't think I was being all that harsh on it. But yeah, then I pulled my finger out, and it had blood on it. That makes me think of that scene in Girls where she takes that Q-tip and like shoves it all the way into her brain. Yes. Oh my goodness, yeah. I, I recently rewatched seasons three, four, and five of Girls. So I missed that one, because that's either season one or two finale. Oh. Yeah. I was really horrified by that, though. It, it stuck in my mind. Well, just like that Q-tip, yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I've been experiencing is um, restless sleep um, and stress dreams, um, including very frightening nightmares which i don't usually have um and then like the next day after i had a really bad one i was reading an article and it was like you might experience stress or anxiety dreams and um like this dream somebody had where they were murdering everybody and i was like oh my god i had a dream just like that you had a dream you were murdering everyone no actually i think somebody else in the dream murdered somebody because there was like body parts piling up all over the place it was really horrifying oh my goodness yeah, I've heard about these from you and from a lot of people I know, but I'm just sleeping like a baby. <laughs> well, I don't know why you get off the hook, but yeah, I I haven't slept well very much at all, and I keep having really terrible, weird, stressful dreams. One of my only skills in life is sleeping, so. 
Well, hey, that's nothing to sneeze at. Sleep is very important. I've, I've practiced for many years. I do like now that I get to take little afternoon naps now that I'm when I get really sleepy in the afternoon. Oh, I love a nap. I never used to, but I'm, I've certainly gotten an appreciation for them as I've aged. They're very delightful. I love a, a flash nap. Yeah, and I used to set my alarm so that I wouldn't nap too long, but I never do. I just automatically wake up like maybe 20, 30 minutes later, ready to go. That's how you know you're doing it right. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, I approve. Um, other symptoms of being in quarantine have also included um, inability to focus on like reading, um, which I definitely experienced. Um, for a while there, I didn't read anything, and then I managed to get myself into a reading groove for like a couple of books, um, but then I fell off the wagon again because I had to work on Doctor Sleep. Um, so it's been yeah, that- a, it's been a struggle. Yeah, Dr. Sleep will break any good habits you have. That's for damn sure. (laughs) I feel like Stephen King feels like in order for his book to have depth and meaning, it has to be like 800 pages long, simply because he's not a good enough writer to convey all that in like less words. No, like the, I, 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 you know, I love to read books for children. I love to read books for 10 year old girls. It's my favorite age range of book. So I agree. That's why I really enjoyed the Westing game. That's one of the best mysteries I've ever read, which I read recently. And it's only like 160 pages. And there are probably more characters with deeper personalities in that book than there are in Dr. Sleep, which is eight times as long. Oh, wow. That's really sad. But we can talk about Dr. Sleep more later. You're right. I'm always trying to get ahead of myself. I'm trying to put it off as long as possible. (laughs) Let's talk about your own inability to focus on reading. How long did you go for? Like two months before you started reading again? Yeah, I really only started reading a couple of weeks ago, and it's because I I got lucky, I think, with just better book choices. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. They really have to capture me on a good day for me to want to read them, but I had zero tolerance for books that were wasting my time during the the quarantine phase i would rather watch movies or or play animal crossing well that's another thing too yeah i've been constantly playing animal crossing as well so that's kind of eaten into my reading time yeah well you're reading you're reading the things that animals say to you that's right or reading the letters they send to you the insect and fish facts from blathers yes i always enjoy those yeah I really enjoy how, no matter what bug it is, even if it's like the world's prettiest butterfly, he will make it sound like the most horrifying, revolting creature ever known to man. (laughs) Yes, that's true. And he'll do it even with bug-shaped things like the crayfish. Right. (laughs) The other thing that's a quarantine symptom is overeating, which is just impossible not to do um, when you're in quarantine because you're not really moving around all that much um and i love overeating in general so i've really had to uh, rein it in what are your favorite things to overeat uh pistachios i can eat those by the pound Mm. um and i like ordering lots of food at a time like from red robin and getting like fried pickle nickels with my hamburger and my onion rings 
Do they call them pickle nickels? Pickle nickels, yeah, they're good. Oh, that's cute. I love a fried pickle. Or I'll order from Sherry's and um, get a French dip with a bunch of French fries and one of their pie shakes. Just delicious. Wow. I'd say I'm making myself hungry again. Well, let's talk about something unappetizing. Have you not experienced overeating? No, I didn't have much of an appetite early on, actually. And I haven't ordered out. I've maybe ordered out like three or four times in the last two months. Well, you've also are better at self-control in general. So that that doesn't surprise me. Well, it depends. But I, when I'm working, I want to order out all the time. I used to order out three or four times a week. But initially, I misunderstood what was happening when things started closing, and I thought that restaurants were going to close. Oh. Yeah, and I wouldn't be able to have takeout, so I bought, like, two weeks' worth of groceries. And by the time I got home, I realized I had overreacted a little bit. Oh, so you were one of those grocery store hoarders. It was only two weeks' worth, and it's just me. So everything fit into, like, one shopping cart. Oh, okay. And everything fit into my apartment, but I didn't want the food then to go to waste, so I made sure that I cooked and ate it. And after two weeks of that, I was just on the habit of making my own food. Well, I am Joshua Gross. And I'm Chance Dancing Queen Lee. <laughs> I don't know why. And this is a gross bit episode of Gross Misinterpretation, the premiere podcast where we examine popular media from a queer viewpoint. And I'm sure that everyone loves our running gag of you having a different name every time we have an episode. But sometimes, usually I understand why I have the name, and this time I don't. (laughs) Well, you like to dance. And there is, a, there is an ABBA song, Take a Chance on Me. Oh, that's right. We'd like to give a shout out to Sam for the nice iTunes review. Sorry I didn't see it before now, but I, I at least saw it today. Um, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you, Sam. So let's move on to our Q-tips for this week. Um, oh, yes, with Joshua, what's your Q-tip? Uh, my Q-tip is this 30-day movie challenge that Reed and I have been doing. Um, as the name suggests, it lasts for 30 days. Uh, you have to pick out 30 movies based on the criteria for that day. And then each day you watch the movie that you picked for that criteria. And I think we're, we're about a week into it now. Um, there's stuff like um, pick a movie that starts with your first the letter, first letter of your first name, or the first movie you ever saw, or a movie like tonight, today's, for us, is pick a movie there you like the soundtrack better than you like the actual movie. Um, which turned into this big thing, because Reed picked Rent, which is like the worst movie ever made. And, uh. Uh, I mean, my movie wasn't that great either. I picked the next best thing with Madonna. But there was no way in hell I was going to watch Rent. And I won. I won the coin toss because we flip a coin to see whose movie we're going to watch each night. And I won the coin toss, but then I couldn't find a copy of the next best thing for us to watch. It isn't streaming. It isn't at Movie Madness because it's closed. Um, it was just nowhere to be found. Yeah, it doesn't seem to exist on, on the Internet. I went to Letterboxd and they have a little 
thing on the side where you can see where things are streaming and it just says nope yeah i googled it and went to shopping to see if it was being sold anywhere nothing it didn't even come up with results that included that movie it was just different movies Mm -hmm. so you've seen the movie i saw it once back when it came out in the theater um no i rented it with my friend byron and we watched it at my house I saw it in the theater. Did you really? Yeah. And I liked, I mean, I, I was a very non-discerning person then, completely the opposite of, of me now. And I would like everything, and I hated that dumb movie. Okay. Well, that makes more sense, because, yeah. It was I, so bad. I was really excited about it, because Madonna was in it, um, and, you know, it was gay, and Rupert Everett was in it, but boy, it was not good. Uh, the only thing I remember is a scene where Madonna is looking at herself in the mirror and her character is practicing different facial expressions, but her facial yes. expression doesn't change. <laughs> so what's on the soundtrack for that? I just remember her cover of American Pie. Okay, so that that soundtrack includes my least favorite Madonna song and my most favorite Madonna song. The least favorite is her dog vomit cover of American Pie um, but she also does an amazing and beautiful song um, <laughs> that I forgot the name of well while Hold you're on. thinking I will just say that for some reason I really liked American Pie um, her version of it I haven't listened to it in a long time but I worked at a CD store at the mall when that movie came out and we would play it a lot it was in our rotation of cds that we had to play and i enjoyed it yeah that's the reason i bought the soundtrack in the first place is because they were playing music from it at the um the music store that i used to go to um and and because it had a madonna on it but i was like oh the other songs sound like sound good also um that madonna song is called time stood still and it's really it's really a great solid madonna song um but the the soundtrack also has uh, moby on it um mm. it has a christina aguilera song while she was still giving us mixed messages about things it's called don't make me love you till i'm ready oh that was in her dirty phase ironically yeah because this song is about waiting to have sex oh oh i see I think it was just before her dirty phase. I can't think of a movie in which I like the soundtrack better than the movie. We thought but of I several. I, I can't... Well, I just heard of it, so I haven't had much time to think. But off the top of my head, the first thing that comes to my mind is Batman Forever, because that soundtrack has yeah. this from a rose on it, which is a lot better than the movie. Yeah, it had a great U2 song on it, too. Yeah, that's a good soundtrack. That's one of those movie soundtracks where none of the songs are actually in the movie. They just play in the credits, and then they put them on the album. Right. Actually, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. But that movie's bad. <laughs> anyway, one of the interesting things I noticed about the next best thing was that it won a GLAAD award in 2001. And we were just talking about the GLAAD awards on our previous episode. Wow. So, yeah, we can tell they'd already lost the relevance even 10 years into their run of giving out awards if they awarded the next best thing. Yeah, they gave it a Glad Media Award. Um, and I mean, I guess in its way, it was doing its part to to try and make gay 
people more mainstream, I guess, um, and provide representation. But, I mean, nothing else about it deserved an award. Did you have any Q-tips for us this week? No, I'm out of quarantine this week. I'm back to work. Oh, how nice. So it is nice in a way. I mean, it's nice that I have a job. Right. It's not nice to have to just re- readjust my schedule. Um, I do miss taking naps in the afternoon. And even though this isn't a political podcast, I, I miss Andrew Yang and his idea of having a universal basic income. Oh, okay. Because we wouldn't be in this situation if we had universal basic income. You're absolutely right. This has just shown how fragile our capitalistic system is. It has, yeah. Um, and I agree with you. And this isn't a political podcast, but if it were, we could call it Gross Indecision. Just as a side note. Oh, yeah. That's a good name. Maybe we should start another one. Yeah, if it gets start into another October one. and we want to talk about presidents, we can call it Gross Indecision 2020. It's a deal. Yeah. But I will say, so my Q-tip is more of a transitioning when, you're, when people are ready to transition back into the workplace. And that's just to do your best to have an actual routine while you're in quarantine. It makes it a lot easier. I was managing to still get up at 6.30 or 7 every day, even while I was in quarantine. And, I mean, I was also working from home, so it was easier for me to have that routine. Right. But... If, if you're not, it's good to just get up and at the very least go for a walk or something to mimic having some sort of commute. That just made it a lot easier to go back on, on Monday. That's what I've been doing. Um, I've been trying to take a walk every day um, in the morning after I have my coffee and stuff. I'll go take a walk. I haven't been as great about it the last couple of days, but I'm going to get back on that wagon. So, Chance, what is the grossest thing you've done this week? Well, I watched the second season of Dead to Me. You watched the whole thing? And Linda, I watched the whole thing. Oh, wow. We're still a couple, only a couple of episodes in. Well, I won't spoil it. Um, but I, This is a minor spoiler, but it doesn't really affect anything. It's, it's pretty obvious uh-huh. that it's coming. But Linda Cardellini's character, Judy, she has a same-sex relationship that I felt was handled very nicely. Because no one comments on it. Oh, that's nice. They're like, not like, oh, my God, look at the lesbians. No, because I don't think it was hinted at at all that she was bisexual in season one. She was married to James Marsden. Right. That was it, right? Right. Yeah, so in this season, she starts to develop a romantic relationship with the daughter of one of the old ladies in her senior center. And it just happens. It's just like anything else. No one remarks on it at all. And it's really refreshing just to see it handled as it would be if the character was a male character. Yeah, that's really nice, especially um, because bisexual representation is still pretty, pretty lacking in the world. Um, and um, Reed always notices that a lot. Um, that you know, a person either seems to be totally gay or totally straight in popular entertainment, and is rarely bisexual. Ooh, queer of the year! Queer of the year! So, speaking of dorky lesbians, uh, Josh has researched the year nineteen ninety one for queer of the year what have you chosen for queer of the year for 1991 well it was difficult at first because i hadn't really researched anything like this before um and i kept getting things for like everything that happened in the entire world in 1991 um and stuff like that or like 
weird college papers or something. Um, so it took me a while before I finally found something. And it was um, and it was great. It's the Red Ribbon Project um, that was created by the New York-based Visual AIDS Artist Caucus in 1991, which I didn't know. I mean, wow. I, I know about the AIDS Red Ribbon, but I didn't know how it was started and that it started in 1991. Did you? No, for youngsters like us, it feels like these types of awareness ribbons just always existed. Right. But they they didn't really, um, and then they started getting more popular with with this one. Um, according to Wikipedia, there were also people that were wearing like yellow ribbons for the Gulf War, um, that kind of helped yes. give them the idea for the red ribbon. And then I think from there it kind of took off into to ribbon land with all the d- other ones. <laughs> ribbon land. I think that's a Mario Kart Eight track. <laughs> Um, the artist who formed the Visual AIDS Artist Caucus wished to create a visual symbol to demonstrate compassion for people living with AIDS and their caregivers. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. Um, inspired by the yellow ribbons honoring American soldiers serving in the Gulf War, the color red was chosen for its connection to blood and the idea of passion, not only anger, but love, like a valentine. Uh, an interesting side note about that is that the red AIDS ribbon was first worn publicly by Jeremy Irons, of all people, at the 1991 Tony Awards. Okay, so why why Jeremy Irons? Do you think, Why was he at the Tony Awards? Do you, well, I mean, why not? He's an actor. He probably did stage work before, but I mean... Do you think that they chose him to be the first celebrity to wear it, or do you think he just knew about it and decided to wear one? I don't know. I mean, he's not even... Didn't you say this was this was created by New Yorkers? He's British, right? Isn't Jeremy Irons British? Well, he is British, but I don't know where he lives, and the Tony Awards isn't in England. It's in New York. Well, I know that, Joshua. <laughs> But I'm so I'm looking at the 45th Tony Awards, which was broadcast on 1991. Oh, he hosted it. He was the host. Okay, so that makes more of more sense why he was there. Well, um, at the Freddie Mercury tribute concert held at Wembley Stadium, London, on Easter Sunday, 1992. Once again, according to Wikipedia, more than 100,000 red ribbons were distributed among the audience by Red Ribbon International, with performances such as performers such as George Michael wearing one. The Red Ribbon continues to be a powerful force in the fight to increase public awareness of HIV slash AIDS and in the lobbying efforts to increase funding for AIDS services and research. Yeah, this was back when it sounds like wearing these ribbons really meant something. Right. So I was looking into the ribbon myself. I love emoji, as you know. Uh-huh. So there's a, there's a Unicode character for the ribbon they call it the reminder ribbon oh so you can send someone you can send someone a ribbon the unicode doesn't give it a specific color so you each platform can make it its own color and it seems that almost every platform has made their reminder ribbon yellow which is the traditional tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree yellow ribbon yeah that's surprising considering most of the ribbons that i see in this day and age are breast cancer pink so microsoft is the only one with a pink emoji ribbon 
and Facebook's is red. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and there were a few others that like I didn't know of. Open emoji. I don't know what that is, but they have a red ribbon as well. Their emoji are really cute. I want to use them. That's interesting. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. I love looking at different emoji, so that is about the reminder ribbon. This was approved as part of Unicode 7 in 2014. So the reminder ribbon has been an emoji for five to six years. That is awesome. What I also find interesting is that almost all of them have... Like, if you're, when you're looking at it, the left side of the ribbon is over the right side of the ribbon. You know, it makes the little loop. Right. I just, I just find that interesting. The Microsoft one doesn't show, like, seams or shadows, so it just looks like one solid piece. I feel like but most of the, the time them, I've seen one, it's been left over right. Is that, yeah, is that how it traditionally is? I'm not sure, but that seems to be how I've always seen it. But yeah, there's so many different ribbons. Ribbons are like the gay hanky code of charity. <laughs> That's a subject for a whole nother episode. So let's have a little impromptu quiz, Josh. Oh, okay. I'm going to give you a ribbon according to Wikipedia's list of awareness ribbons. I'm going to give you a ribbon color and you guess what ribbon what is it? it is designed to raise awareness for? Oh, Lord, I'm going to be terrible at this, but I'm going to do it. I'm ready. Okay. So, green ribbon. Buh. Colon cancer. It is not colon cancer. How many guesses do I get? 17. Whoa. Um, no, uh, let's make it multiple choice. Okay. So the green ribbon, is it for mental health awareness? Is it for the 2014 Hong Kong protests or multiple sclerosis? I'm going to say multiple, multiple sclerosis. Eh, mental health awareness. Is it really? Yes. What color green? It just says green. It's like a Kelly green. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, I knew I was going to be bad at this. So jade ribbon. Okay. The jade ribbon. So this would be a jade ribbon. Darker green. What? What? So this would be a darker green. A jade green. That would be darker than Kelly green. Sure. I mean, it's to me, it's just a different shade completely. I can't tell, like, if it's darker or lighter. So, is this for Parkinson's disease, hepatitis B, and liver cancer, or Linda Fiorentino's career death? The jade ribbon. <laughs> I had to make it funny somehow. This isn't exactly a humorous segment. I'm going to say the second one you said. You are correct. It is for hepatitis B and liver cancer. Jade seemed a little obscure for um, the first one. Yeah. 
So I'll do one more. The Hound's Tooth Ribbon. It's white with a black hound's tooth print. Sure. Okay. So is this for rare disease awareness? Relief efforts in Tuscaloosa, Alabama following a 2011 tornado? Or doggy dentures? Hound's tooth, that's insane is it tuscaloosa it's tuscaloosa (laughs) ding 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 (laughs) according to wikipedia the pattern evokes former university of alabama head football coach bear bryant an icon of the city and its area what color would our awareness ribbon be pute green for gross oh i thought you were gonna say puce which was what i thought of Oh, puce is nice. That's uh, was that Marie Antoinette's favorite color? However, when Louis the Sixteenth saw it, he remarked that it looked like the color of a flea. Thus, the name was born, since puce is flea in French. Well, that's even more interesting than I thought it was. So she popularized it, I guess we would say. Oh, it, the puce flea is pretty cute. It's a cute little puce flea. I'll have to take your word on that one. It's interesting that, you know, it just is remarkable that in the 18th century, you know, the king would have had an intimate knowledge of what color a flea was, because even royalty had fleas back then. Oh, yeah. Something you don't think about these days. Like, Meghan Markle doesn't have fleas. She might. You don't know. She doesn't. (laughs) They'll sue us, Josh. Don't say that. Oh, yeah. I can't say she does cocaine either. Who are you, the Daily Mail? Cut it out. (laughs) This is going to be on the Daily Mail. They're going to be like, oh, podcast host says Meghan Markle does cocaine and has fleas. (laughs) We don't mean it, Meghan. I'm sure you're listening. Just kidding. I'm sure you're very lovely and free of fleas and cocaine. She, I'm sure she's a lovely person and a wonderful mother. Oh, I don't know where you're ba- what you're basing that on. We have no idea if she's a wonderful mother or not. Oh my goodness. How did this podcast turn into slandering <laughs> Meghan Markle? <laughs> I'm just saying, you don't know anything about <laughs> Meghan Markle. She could roll around in fleas before taking her child out to jump through fire hoops. I know, but me, not knowing anything about Meghan Markle, decides to say nice things about her. (laughs) You, knowing nothing about Meghan Markle, comes up with all these vile acts that she is committing on a daily basis. (laughs) And with that, was there anything else that you wanted to add to our episode today, Chance? No, this was jam-packed full of the grossest bits. (laughs) For me, I thought this was really interesting, and I think this was a great queer of the year for 1991 i think i was educated i didn't know about uh the beginning of this ribbon so that was yeah i didn't know anything about it either i just knew that it existed so i'm glad we talked about it yes and maybe someday there will be a cure we can hope we're definitely getting there 
So if anyone wants to get in contact with us, you can always email me at thegrossone at outlook.com or you can leave a review on iTunes for us um, like Sam did. Yeah, and we'll see it in a couple months. (laughs) I will be more on top of that, clearly. And as always, we're going to be releasing um, episodes every Wednesday. So be looking forward to that. And then eventually, if we get our quarantine brains focused enough, we will get to Dr. Sleep. Well, this has been great, Josh. Until next time. Yes, I enjoyed uh, talking with you today. And I hope you have a wonderful evening. I hope you do too, and that may all your ribbons be houndstooth. <laughs> okay, thank you. And thank you to all our Bye. listeners. We'll see you next Wednesday. Bye, listeners. Bye, Germany. <laughs>